0: Today's Old Testament reading comes from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 to 9. Is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked, to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil. This is the word of the Lord. Before I read the New Testament uh, passage today, uh, I'm very pleased and proud to be able to introduce to you my wife, Renata, who's taken a few days off work in Antalya and is here visiting me for five days. So, Renata, please stand and demask yourself. It's really a reintroduction since she's been here many times, but... uh... Our New Testament reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to to God. I recently watched a short documentary about an aspect of the September 11, 2001 uh, rescue operation in New York City that I had never heard about before. After the first trade tower had been hit and fell, in fact, and after the bridges and tunnels leading out of the city had either been clogged or closed, the captains and crews of all kinds of boats in the area came to the rescue of people. Most of these people, as you can imagine, were badly traumatized. And many had been injured and were in need of some degree of medical treatment. And yet, virtually all of them had to wait up to four hours in order to get on a boat that would lead them across the Hudson River uh, to safety uh, on the other side. That river crossing operation amounted to the largest marine rescue evacuation in history. And an estimated 500,000 people were shuttled off the island in, I'm guessing, about 12 hours' time. The crew members and the captains of those various boats were heroes. They had been trained to respond to people in need, and that's exactly what they did. One of the crew members who was interviewed after uh, the event said that there had been an oft-used saying during his crew training many years previously, and it was this, one hand for the ship, one hand to help. That's a good saying to keep in mind, even today, perhaps especially when it comes to to church life. I have a dear friend in Antalya whose name is Hassan. He owns a marine company called Aunt Marine, and because my father and brothers also owned marine companies, Hassan and I became good friends from the point in time we met back in 1997. And I once made a comment to Hassan that went something like this Hassan, you work a lot with ships, so you'd be interested in knowing that often in history the church has been likened to a ship. Oh, really? Uh, replied Hassan. And then, you know, being a true ship enthusiast, he added another question, what kind? And that question caught me by surprise, and I had no idea how to respond uh, to that unexpected and and really unexplored question. And that is essentially the question that I'd like to ask you today. What kind of ship do you think the International Protestant Church, uh, which I'm henceforth going to refer to as IPC, most closely resembles. Perhaps a military ship, you might say. After all, we're we're called to put on the full armor of God, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world. So, we must fight the good fight. Indeed, we might say that the church is like a spiritual military ship, And we are comrades of one another, waging war against spiritual forces that would otherwise do us in. After all, doesn't Jude, in verse 3 of his short letter, uh, implore us to contend for the faith? While there is certainly some degree of analogy between a military ship and a church that defends the faith, the fact is that we, Christ's Church, are about much more than just spiritual combating and contending. Well, if not a military ship, then perhaps the church is most like a cruise ship—one that's uh, going from an earthly origin to a heavenly destination. Uh, the wooden chairs upon which you sit here in the sanctuary are in the sanctuary are really uh, spiritual deck chairs, if you can imagine them as such. You close your eyes, you can almost feel the breeze in your face and the sun upon your skin. And if you get bored with the sermon, you can imagine uh, an exotic drink in your hand, caffeinated, which you sip every now and then to help keep yourself awake. And when the worship service is finished, you go and play or nap or watch a movie because after all, Church life is merely a faith journey, you think, from earth to heaven, which may as well be enjoyed. Well, while no small number of so-called Christians around the world have such self-serving understandings of church life, I would hope that we would all agree that such understandings are Not just inadequate, but are also an insult to Christ. Who loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy and to make her work. uh, Carrying each other's burdens, loving one another, doing good. Good for all people. And especially those who are uh, of the family of believers. Therefore, fulfilling the law of Christ. Christ. So, no, the church shouldn't be likened to a cruise ship that simply bears believers to the seaport of heaven. If Hassan were to reiterate his question to me today, James, what kind of a ship do you think the church is most like? I would say in response to him, Hassan, I think the church is most like one of yours. That would catch him by surprise. And I would refer to a statement on one of uh, on, on Aunt Marine's website, which, which, reads, which reads like this Aunt Marine's tugboats and marine crafts have successfully conducted many search, rescue, and salvage operations, saving many lives, assets, and the environment. The church, Hassan, is like one of your tugboats. Indeed, The IPC tugboat exists, friends, to serve Zurich, conducting search, rescue, and salvage operations for the sake of Christ the King and because lives matter to God. However, I readily admit that even this metaphor of a tugboat goes only so far in helping one to better understand the church. And so we must go to Scripture itself for a fuller description of what a church ought to be like and in which activities we church members ought to be engaged. And Acts 2 42 through 47 is a wonderful summary passage regarding the life of the earliest church. Mind you, it's an idealized passage. Later in Acts, Luke reveals some of the major problems that the early church encountered. And if we supplement our reading of Acts with readings from Paul's letters to various churches that are mentioned in Acts, then we really get uh, an appreciation for the kinds of trials and tribulations that these early churches encountered. But here in Acts 2, 42-47, the youthful, spirit-filled church of Jerusalem is described at its best. And because it is, we can grow in our understanding of of what God desires for IPC. First, God desires that IPC be a learning church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. These early believers were, were teachable toward the apostles, toward those who had been with Jesus, who had learned directly from him, and who had been chosen by him. That word devoted is literally, we're devoting themselves to its ongoing action. It was ongoing and constant, even even obstinate, persisting in the faith. Previously in Acts, this same Greek word has been used already in chapter 1, verse 14 Where we read, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the woman and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Here it is translated as constantly, but it could just as easily read, they, that is the apostles, all joined together devotedly in prayer. Likewise, the believers joined together devotedly in learning at the feet of those prayerful apostles. Are there such apostles in the church today at whose feet we can go and sit and learn from? Well, some think so. In fact, I remember a group of visitors once came to Antalya, to the St. Paul Union Church, and stayed with us a while. And uh, they really pushed their influence in this direction, uh, suggesting that, yes, there are such apostles in the church today. During a meal in our home, one of the women of the group announced, I am an apostle, and I would like to preach in your church. Well, she may may very well have been a a very skilled teacher. Uh, She may have even been an apostolic teacher. But she sure wasn't an apostle in the same sense that Peter, Paul, and John were apostles. And because... Her understanding in this regard uh, was was quite stubborn. (laughs) I chose not to give her the opportunity to preach, which she had wanted very much. But the Apostles' teaching is today contained in the pages of our New Testament. In fact, earlier in this chapter is an example of the Kerygma, the the early teaching of uh, the Apostles. There in in chapter 2 verse 23 and 24 we read, this man, referring to Jesus of course, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. This is a An early version of the the core of the Kerygma. And no additional revelations today are on par with it. A similar comment should be made about verse 43, where we read, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by by the apostles. While we must acknowledge that God still does perform wonders and signs through his people today, according to his will, and often in response to the prayers of his people, we shouldn't expect ourselves or anyone to exhibit the same kind of signs and wonders that the apostles themselves exhibited. And to the same extent, it was a unique time in God's revelation history. And indeed, uh, this book of the Bible is called the Acts of the Apostles with good reason. And Paul says of himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, I persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles. So let no one today presume uh, or pretend to be in the same, on the same level as the Apostle Paul in this regard. May IPC be now and always a learning church devoting ourselves to the study of Scripture uh, with a teachable attitude still toward the apostles' teaching and also toward present-day teachers who accurately and faithfully expound and explain and apply God's Word. Second, God desires that IPC be not only a learning church, But also a loving church. The concept of Christian love, agape, or self-giving charity, uh, is brought out with that word fellowship, which in Greek you probably know is koinonia. It is related also to the word common or koina in verse forty-four. The commonality was both experiential, uh, generous time spent together in the temple courts and in their homes, and it was material, the sharing of possessions with one another so as to meet one another's needs. Paul Nelson uh, came to the airport to fetch me eight days ago, bearing with him a great big heavy bag of groceries that his wife Eva had purchased for me. And this past week, uh, Lynette Meister and Chrissy Nogg brought me a fan, food, and extra pillows, uh, meeting needs that Renata and especially I had during the week. These are simple and practical examples of loving koinonia in action. Examples of koinonia in IPC's history are no doubt innumerable. However, while the smallest room in the world is a mushroom, the biggest room in the world is room for improvement. All of us can grow in our love for one another and for others who are in need. However, we must not go around making others feel guilty for not giving as much as we think they should give, this, uh, of course, would be contrary to the spirit of the early church. Even the early Christians still had homes and personal possessions. And Ananias and Sapphira were not slain for uh, withholding money from the sale of their land in Acts 5, but for lying about the amount they were giving to those in need. So, Let us be honest and genuine with one another, and let's do all we can to grow in simplicity, contentment, and generosity toward one another and toward others who are in need. Third, in addition to be a learning and a loving church, God desires that IPC be a worshiping church. This is indicated not only by that phrase in verse uh, 42, the breaking of bread and uh, to the prayers, uh, the breaking of bread there could refer to both the Lord's Supper and to normal meals, uh, as, as it obviously does in verse 46. Um, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, and uh, And literally, the the prayers there, being definite and plural, most likely refer to all kinds of prayer meetings and services, both formal and informal. The point is, these early Christians worshipped together in multifaceted ways. And a fruit of their worship was gladness, as we read in verse 46. They exuded joy. And again, we could talk more about this, but my time is fleeting. But this is another area in which we can always grow. I think it's safe to say that IPC will never be in danger of worshiping together too much. And surely, Christ is worthy of all the worship that we can give. Fourth and finally, God desires that IPC be not only a learning, loving, and worshiping church, but also a witnessing church. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In this verse, we have a clear reference to the church's mission, as well as to the result of that mission. Please note that it's the Lord's doing. He brings people into the church It is he who saves them, not we ourselves. But God certainly does use the witness of his people. As Jesus made clear to his followers in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where we read, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That directly applies to us as well. Even today, we go forth, as we go forth to reach out in Christ, as it says on the front of our bulletin, um, such reaching out implies witnessing. It implies witnessing, which can be done in 10,000 ways. I trust we could all share stories of how we've been able to serve as witnesses to Christ. And to his saving work in progress in our lives. So let us uh, go forth and witness increasingly, friends. Until the Lord adds to our number daily. Those who are being saved. One summer, when I was in my early 20s, I worked for my brother John who, as I said, owned and operated a marine construction company. Toward the end of the summer, I got assigned to the crew of a a tugboat. A tugboat that would be towing not one, but five large barges over a tremendous distance in the Great Lakes of the United States. I remember all together, the five barges and the tugboat, we were in total about 167 meters long. I started out as cook, but after the first meal, I was quickly reassigned to the role of deckhand, (laughs) and with good reason, I might add. Eventually, I became the assistant navigator and also one of the two helmsmen, and I learned that tugboats are incredibly powerful, nimble, and maneuverable, and in a very real sense, they are indispensable. They are the servants of the seas, always assisting barges and ships, helping them to navigate in and out of harbors and to and from jobs that need to be done. And so while IPC is and must always be a learning, loving, and worshiping and witnessing church, according to Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, let us also think of this remarkable church, As a kind of tugboat. The IPC tugboat serves Zürich. Conducting search, rescue, and salvage operations. For the sake of Christ the King. And because lives matter to God.